0: To swim in fact i taught myself how to swim during the pandemic but what i don't love is the blotches of the chlorine and salt leave on my face so i decided to treat myself to a facial raquel mixon owner of the self-care spa and lounge prides herself on providing services around skin health and being an advocate for self-care raquel steamed creamed and caressed my skin until i was cooling like a baby and she recommended excellent products to keep my skin healthy while I reach my swim goals. Not only will I place a facial at the top of my list of self-care items, but I plan to bring some other people with me. So, book your next facial, massage, or wax service today at theselfcarespalounge.com. That's theselfcarespalounge.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Be Empowered with R.C. I have three wonderful guests guests with me this evening. I am so thrilled to have this discussion. Um, If you don't know, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. As such, um, these ladies and I are going to have a discussion about our culture, what it looks like, how we're raising our boys amidst the culture that we live in. Um, And we're gonna talk about what it means to set boundaries, the definition of consent, and a few other topics, maybe some terms that some of you might not have heard before. Um, So as you watch this um, Facebook Live, I want you to write comments if you have a question or if it's something that you feel strongly about one way or the other, Just let us know what you're thinking and feeling and we will kind of um, bring you into the conversation. So let me introduce you to my wonderful guest. First of all, I have Amanda Holman. Amanda Holman is a data analyst who enjoys telling stories with data and helping data users find better, ethical and more effective ways to pursue their goals. Amanda loves to dance and to cook, which is perfect for her teenage son who loves to eat. She has a BS in education and social policy from Northwestern University and a MS in integrated marketing and communication from Loyola University, Chicago. Currently, she is focused on getting her COVID vaccine, successfully sending a kind, smart young man out into the world and moving abroad. Please help me welcome Amanda Holman. In addition, I have with me today Jamie Wesley. Jamie Wesley has been in the legal and accounting industry for over 20 years. Currently, she is an accountant with a major accountant with a major financial services institution. She holds a BA in political science from San Diego State University, a paralegal certificate from the University of San Diego and an MBA from St Xavier University. Jamie has a passion for community service and enjoys spending some of her free time volunteering with local nonprofit organizations. This has included fundraising, grant research, program management, and program development. Jamie has worked with the YWCA Future Leaders Council, the National Black MBA Association, and the Chicago Urban League. In her personal time, Jamie enjoys skiing, scrapbooking, reading, and attending museums. Please help me welcome Jamie Wesley. And lastly, but certainly, certainly not least, we have Tamika Christian. Tamika Christian has spent over 20 years working for social and economic justice in disinvested communities across the Chicagoland region. Her passion for equity stems from her deep roots in and love for Chicagoland communities in which she has lived, worked, and served throughout her life. As a committed community servant, Tamika embodies the core values of integrity, ingenuity, and openness, which lends to her humble leadership style. She is always willing to serve as a mentor, coach, thought partner, or friend. She enjoys having one-to-one conversations and building relationships with those who are as equally passionate about working for the betterment of the community. Tamika was born, raised on the west side of Chicago and has one son, Joshua. Who loves to tell jokes and play video games? Help me welcome Tamika Christian. Good evening, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Good evening. Hi, Hi. good evening. evening. Did you all have a good Monday? Yeah. Mondays are always a little tough for me to get back in the groove. So I usually wake up in the morning and on my calls, I'll say happy Monday to everybody. And they'll be like, what's so wonderful about Monday? And I'm like, you just got to start off like that. Otherwise, you know, it might not last. <laughs> yeah, so today I wanted to have a discussion. Some things we might talk about um, may be a little challenging. I know for me, as the three of you know, um, I'm a sexual assault survivor. So I think that throughout the year, I have tons of conversations and tough conversations with people that a lot of folks may not have. And so during April, when it's already kind of um, a set aside month um, to raise awareness, I try to use that time even more to have these deep discussions around um, what our society looks like and how we can impact it for the better and how we can build strong relationships and raise, in this case, I'm talking to mothers of sons, how we can raise our sons to be healthy, happy, whole individuals in the midst of this society. So first of all, I just want to ask in general if you all could tell us a little bit about your sons your and your relationship with your sons. Like how old is he and um, what has that relationship looked like over the years?
1: Jamie, did you want to go first? Sure. I have a son who's 18. He'll be 19 next month. He's a freshman at University of Texas, El Paso. And our relationship over the years, um, we've had our ups and downs. Um, as a child, he was, he was kind of a mama's boy. And then as he got older, of course, teenager, you know, he just didn't want to be bothered, um, which is pretty common for, for teenage boys. Um, but now I think we have a good relationship. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm not his friend. I'm still his mother. Um, I'm still raising him. I still correct him. Um, but yeah. we definitely have a healthier relationship. We went through the the crazy teenage years, but I think he's starting to understand why I set the ground rules for what for when I did and why I did it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay.
2: Tamika, what about you? Absolutely. So Joshua is 12, um, is in seventh grade. And I will label our, our relationship as I don't know. I would say it's, you know, for sure we're we're friends, we have fun together, Um, but also there's limitations because at the end of the day, I am still his mother. Um, As a single single mom, like, and of an only child, um, Mm -hmm. our dynamics are... Are different because I had to be at times the entertainer. The I had to be everything to him as best as I could um, with sustaining our our lifestyles. But he's he's a jokester. He's very smart. He gets good grades. Um, like Jamie, he is entering the teenage years and I see some changes where he doesn't want to be bothered with mom as much. Um, and so I'm I'm anticipating what that's like over the course of the next few years. Um, I will say that what makes me proud of him the most is his resiliency um, and his persistency. like I I really appreciate who he is. He, He's a debater. He defends for what he stands on the side of of what's right, um, and he likes to debate fairness all the time. And my words to him is, <laughs> "Life is not fair," um, but um, just you know, just the fact that he uh, he recognizes that there are there's a there should be fairness in the world
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: gives me hope that he's he's on the right path from a moral value standpoint. Right. Nice. Nice. Amanda,
0: what about you?
3: Uh, well, you just saw my my guy <laughs> run because by. Uh, I have I, him making two. some dinner.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. I think uh, Tamika, how old is your son if you are comfortable saying? Yeah, he's 12. I think, is, in, is uh,
3: your son? Or at least 14. He just 14. turned 14 in February. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I've been a single mom since he was about four years old. Um, and you know i you know uh, very much reflect with what tamika was saying about you know because you know we've had to play kind of a variety of roles right um i'm not terribly um while i'm a disciplined person i i don't believe in um a disciplinarian approach or an authoritarian approach okay. so i would say that our interaction is um I don't know, for, I guess for the past year, it's been more roommate than necessarily like mom's son, if that makes sense. And that mm. I'm trying to move past, I'm the mom and I'm the caretaker and I do these things. And I'm trying to get him to better understand that we're you know living together. And so now we need to work together. And mm, so, okay, you know, the types of expectations I have, are different, you know. Um, you are just as capable of making food as I am. You are just as capable of washing your clothes as I am. There is no reason for me to to do these things, and if I choose to do them, it's because I'm doing it from a place of kindness and love, and should be appreciated as such, mm. right? Um, so, you know, I would say that, you know, in terms of his personality, you know, he, you know, he's a teenager. He's, no. you know, um, you know, is very blessed in that, you know, we have had a blessed year in terms of, um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, we have, you know, dealt with a pandemic in terms of, I get to work from home, right? Um, right. You know, we've not lacked for anything this year. Mm-hmm. Um, our yep. family has been very, very, very cautious and careful and have also been in the positions, right, to be able, you know, be retired or work from home. Um, so, You know, I, I would say that right now, um, Marley's very comfortable. And so I see that my next phase of parenting is going to be about making him be realize that not all these comforts are guaranteed or, or will be there forever. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, These comforts, if you like them, you're gonna have to be way more involved in making them happen and maintaining them. Um, So yeah, so I would say that our our relationship is is great, um, but it's going to go through some changes here pretty soon in terms of um, just changing expectations for him and and demanding more of him,
0: right? And like you all, I'm a single mom of one child, (laughs) a boy, and so. Um, Ryan is 15, just got his permit. And um, these teenage years are so trying. It has totally changed our relationship. You know, I, you, like you, I'm sure you all feel, you know, you with your son, you're so close when they're younger and, you know, you just love to have your son around you, like so proud of your boy and everything. And not that you're no longer proud, it's just the nature of the relationship shifts. Like Amanda was saying, hold on now, you have to be more responsible. I've always had my son do his own laundry and that kind of thing is no big deal, you know, Chores. I guess we kind of split. I think, like Amanda was saying, it's kind of like, listen, you do that, I do this. We live in this place together. (laughs) This is like a community living here. You don't just get me to clean up after you, and that's supposed to be all right. Like no other place can you do this, you know. And my job is to prepare you to go out in the world and be independent. And you should not think that somebody's gonna caretake, you know, you as a young man and on to the future. Um, But. Sometimes now the struggle I find is being able to have the level of communication that we had when he was younger, because we talked about everything all the time and tough subjects we talked about. And now the fact that it seems like there's this breakdown or this barrier for me is sometimes a little hurtful because I'm like, I really want to be able to communicate effectively and You don't want to receive it. And these are tools that I know that you'll need and that are so vital to your teenage years, because this is where you're getting all this information that's going to inform how you build and sustain relationships into adulthood. Um, So one of the questions I want to ask was, did you all have a big conversation about just puberty, about like, their voices changing, about growing hair, about their bodies changing, was that ever a big thing or was it just like, nope, just as something came up, I just was like, go, you know, wash up more. Was that, was it a sit down conversation about what puberty is and all that or not so much? Yes.
2: So I'll go. So for me, I think it happened twofold. One, it was things that were happening that. Um, joshua saw what's happening but didn't understand and that was around nine if i remember and i remember one day it's so it's hilarious now but not in the moment he got in the car and he was very frustrated and he's like i was like why are you frustrated he's like i'm going through puberty and i got hair all over my wow yeah I was like, Oh, we need to figure out how to talk about this because you never like at nine, I'm like still trying to enjoy and have fun. And (laughs) then, um, so we did, we had a conversation. Um, I did have like his dad and my male relatives talk to him about it. And then, as of recently there's big changes happening now the voice is deeper right Right. the pants has a bulge in it like all of those things and I'm like oh my god what's happening and so there was a book I can't think of the title of it but it's like all about my body and Mm -hmm. And so I I bought him a book and I asked him to read the book and of course now at this point everything is weird to him (laughs) like that's the term he used, like, it's weird, but he did read the book. Um, and I just said, if you ever have questions, I may not have all the answers, but I'll help, you know, I'll help you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, are, like, we have a very open relationship when it comes to, like, my, my motto is, you know, any conversation is valid. Like, don't mm-hmm. hold in. i rather know what you're thinking and not know what you're thinking. Right. And so we did actually watch um, the movie Good Boys, which it's about kids his age and it's an adult movie, but it sparked a lot of conversation. And out of that movie, like there was questions about drugs and sex and the little mm-hmm. boy in his room all the time. And and so that actually sparked the conversation for us to, to get a little bit deeper. Um, and so I leveraged that movie to have the conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I haven't seen the
0: movie, but I've heard of it. So, (laughs) Okay. Anybody else want to share? Like if you had a big conversation or anything or Jamie, your your son is grown. So Jamie, did you have the talk? I I don't even know what that is anymore, (laughs) but did you have it? Whatever that is.
1: So yeah. So as far as puberty, um, I love books. So I bought him a book um, when he started having certain changes and he would mention certain things um and then my dad and he had mentors so I kind of let them take the buck of the questions just because you know they they were males and then I would come back and say well what did you think you know do you have any questions and he would just be like no um and then as far as the sex talk we had that um so they had sex ed in junior high and they sent they had to send a consent form home Mm So, um, when I got the consent form, we sat down and kind of had a talk. And so during, you know, the classes, I would say, well, what are you all learning today? What did you all learn this week? And that's how we would kind of spark the conversation.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and then I would have conversations about girls. So I would say, well, you know, do you like any girls or what do you think? And at first it was kind of like, "Mom, not really. Um, was she always messing with me or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how our our conversations happen. Okay. But you've always had a mentor, a okay. male mentor, to kind of help facilitate that.
0: Okay, okay. Amanda, what, what about you? Was it a big thing about puberty, or just as things came up, you talked about it, or you're still waiting to have that conversation?
3: Well, I I think we've had parts of the conversation. Um, luckily, you know, our school district is. Uh, pretty progressive, I think, in terms of both their content, right, in terms of some of the things that they talk about, and then also just the amount of communication with families, you know, uh, Jamie, very similar to you, right, you know, they asked us permission They kind of detailed what they would be talking about. And you know, while I have you know at times been like, please get these children back in school um, to be able to listen and hear the quality of the conversations mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm. happening, you know, in his health class, um, even in social studies, um, you know, in spaces that you may not expect, right, for there to be this conversation around um, sex and consent and consequences, you know, of, of um, behaviors, right. Um, I think that uh I am blessed in that I do think that his school has done a very good job of stuff. So I'll, you know, kind of be in the hallway listening, you know, like hum, hum, hum. and you know, uh, sometimes I'll have to say something of, "Hey, you know, you do know blah blah blah." Um and then, were like, you listening?" I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, right yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um so, yeah, so I anticipate that this will be a multi-part of course, conversation, right, right, over time. So right. I'm trying to pace myself. Uh, I'm trying to not. It's run. challenging. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm trying not to be as what, you know, is to me. You talked about weird cringy mom. That's the term cringy. <laughs> Um, trying not to be the cringy mom to say, you know, hey, this, this, and that. I mean, recently we went shopping for clothes because I realized, oh God, I haven't bought you clothes in like months. And, you know, we go to the underwear section and I'm, I'm thinking back to when, you know, I'm picking out the underwear with like, signs. the yeah, with like the characters on it and right. the stuff. And I'm like, right. well, what do you want? Do you want colors? You want size? And he was so uncomfortable. And then it took me like five minutes to realize, oh, you don't want me here for this part. I'm so right. sorry. Right. So now I know, okay, you know, I'm just going to have to give him some money and, you know, go look at something else for you know, 20 mm-hmm. minutes and let me mm-hmm, make mm-hmm. his selection and, and yeah. kind of do those things. So, right. so I'm trying to pace myself and I'm not trying to run head on into, you know, these are the things and this is the stuff and this is how it is. And do you have questions? You know, um, I do feel comfortable with the things that are being discussed in a school setting. And, um, you know, we have talked quite a bit about like, if you had questions, who would you call? Who would you ask? Mm-hmm. Not saying you have questions right now, but if you did, who would right. you talk right. to? You know? Right. And right. kind of helping him like think through like what he would do. Right. So that you're almost like a little rehearsal, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Without
3: needing to make it be like, call call your, you know, call your dad right now and ask him these five things, you know? So so it's been more of that type of of deal. I've been um blessed with some help but also Mm -hmm. trying to pace myself
0: okay and I think it's interesting because we all have different approaches there's no right way to do anything right we know our kids and we know our comfort level as well and it sounds like you all have had somebody there to help which is important because it's not just us truly raising our kids even though we say we're single moms in a sense we make sure we're all, you know, women who are all about making sure we utilize resources around us. And we all do that. Um, my son, I've talked to him about a lot of stuff and I will say the topic of like puberty and, um, that all of anything that falls under changes with your body and how you interact. I think I have always been kind of like, straight down the middle, this is what it is, this is what it's not, and talked about everything because at such a young age, I was violated. And the reason that I believe I was violated is because I was ignorant. Like literally while it was happening was when I realized what was happening. And I would never want that to happen to my son. I would not want him to be in a situation where you don't know you're being raped until you're in the midst of being raped. It's just that that real for me. And I know we feel uncomfortable talking about um, like sexual assault and we're asking, like we're talking about our young boys and how we're raising them. But I really believe that it all stems from knowledge and awareness of our own boundaries. Because I was watching this movie or this TV show the other day and there was these two young people. The girl was really young. She was 14 and he was 17 um, and she went to a party and she was drinking. And so what ended up happening is he ended up assaulting her and his, if you watch the thing play out, it was literally like, you could see his mind saying, I want to, I want to, you know, kick it with her. And she's feeling me, she's drinking, but I'm drinking too. Like you could almost see his thought process of, okay, so we're going to go over here and we're going to do this thing. And it didn't look like he was scheming to harm her in any way. It was literally like, we're both in the same boat. We're both feeling each other. We're having a good time. I'm feeling good. And so when I brought up puberty, it's because once they hit puberty, these feelings are there. Like, this is not a bad thing. Our feelings and our desires aren't a bad thing at all. It's just, we need to know how to monitor them, right? And so uh, you could, in this show, in this scene, it looked like he was like, okay, we're feeling each other. And then they got to the point where at some point he was still feeling her, but she wasn't feeling him. And her body language shifted, but she didn't say anything, right? everything in her body shifted. Like she stopped. She wasn't kissing him. She wasn't laughing. She wasn't smiling. And at that point is where I was like, this is what we don't talk to our kids about. Mm-hmm. And I do think that people talk to girls and say, watch out. You don't want somebody to rape. You. you don't want this to happen. Don't let a boy touch you. But for those moms that are raising sons, are we one teaching our sons, to create boundaries for other people. You don't need somebody touching you and you don't want that, number one. And number two, are we teaching our kids to be, because I believe if we're aware of, if they're aware of themselves, then they can be more aware of other people. And yeah. so then if you know in this situation, you might not feel comfortable, then maybe you'll stop and pay attention and say, you know what, he or she or they aren't really looking like they looked five minutes ago. They were laughing at my face. You know, and now they're not laughing anymore. Maybe I need to check in. And so my next question is, what does consent mean to you all? And how have or have you had any type of conversations around consent in general? Like any just general situations with you and your sons about consent? Has that ever come up?
3: It's it's come up. It's kind of a, a little bit of a joke uh, in the house in that, you know, Um, you know, I love pinching cheeks, you know, like, you know, my son's cheeks. And um, sometimes I'll pinch his butt, like if he's being smart, you know, or saying something, I'm like, oh, you know, you come here. And it's just my, my mom has always done that with me. And it's always been like a a thing of affection. And so um, he said one day, he was like, well, I don't give you consent to pinch my cheeks or pinch my butt anymore. And, you know, first I was kind of like, oh boy, you know, whatever. I'm your mama. I I made you. I can do whatever. But then I started to think about it and it was like, you know, I I do have to, you know, show him that respect Mm -hmm. and show him that, you know, if that's something he doesn't want me to do, even if I'm, even if I'm doing it from this, you know, place of love and affection and, you know, um, I have to respect that. And so, you know now like when he walks by or something I'll just do this and I'll just say I'm pinching with my mind just so you know I'm pinching your face you know Mm -hmm. and he smiles and so it's kind of like that that joke but in that you know I do want him to know that I respect his no Mm -hmm. and that you know, if he chooses to let me pinch his face once a month or whatever our arrangement is, you know, that I'm asking and that if he says no, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'll mm-hmm. still pinch the air and just be like, just so you know, I'm doing it in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I had to really check in with myself as a mom and mm-hmm. not be like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm your mother and I'm in charge and I get to yeah. say, you know, yeah. and I, I don't want him to, to learn that um type of parenting you know right you Mm -hmm. know there's times where you need it and then there's a lot of times where it's just not needed it's a control power thing it's not really about um you know wanting to show affection or love right you know then I'll say okay well I do I'll say I I, but I do want a hug can I have a hug and he's always willing to give a hug so that's that's never an issue so I've just learned had to learn how to shift that and you know feel I feel like you know that is like my end right for the times when we do need to like continue our you know ongoing conversation about sex I'll be like so remember when you don't like me pinching your cheeks right right well let's talk about consent and how you apply it to the world for yourself and for others so I've used that as my opportunity to kind of jump into that consent conversation
0: right that's awesome. Like I really applaud you for being able to do that because not a lot of people are comfortable checking themselves around this because it makes us feel so, it just makes us feel uncomfortable. You know, there's so much taboo around sex and me personally, I I just have an issue with how we don't educate, you know, our young people. I Mm -hmm. mean, if we, anyway, so, and about our rape culture, which we're going to get to in a minute, but does anybody else have anything about um how you've struggled with consent or wrestled your own self trying to understand it or apply it or any situations at home with your son before y'all
3: answer i'm sorry but
0: come on that's that's what i see you know what
3: I'm saying? And so that's when I'm just like, come, on. you know, so it, it, it's it been a challenge. It's, I've yeah. been working on it to not just jump in there and pinch. But right, okay, right, right. Sorry. I had to show the picture like,
0: y'all see that? You see what I'm talking about? We, But you know <laughs> what? You said something. You said a lot because you said it gets to a point where sometimes where it's not really about showing affection. It's about power and control. Yeah. And that's what sexual assault is. It's about power and control. And the tool to demonstrate that power and control is sex. And so if we learn early on what consent means and what it's not, then I think that we're less likely to find ourselves in those situations on both sides of the table, because then it gives us, because that gives your son the power over his own body. And when, when you have power over your own body, then you want somebody else to have that power too, because you recognize that that's what, that's the norm. That's what should be. That's healthy and it allows you to be safe and to trust. So that foundation is, is phenomenal.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to chime in and say, like, consent is just now being, you know, it's, we're transitioning Mm -hmm. into consent because we're moving from the, I can always hug you and kiss you, I'm very affectionate with Josh, um, to, ew, don't touch me or get away from me. And so a lot of that is, you know, in my mind, um, to Amanda's point, like, you always see them as your little precious baby that you just want to you know, you want to kiss and hug them, but also learning, like, for me, it's learning to respect those boundaries, Um, learning to respect those boundaries, but also um, teaching him, like, we've always shared spaces, like, you know, my nephew was just saying, like, you, like, I'll lay in his bed, he'll lay in my bed, you know, just even having conversations, and so just him recognizing, like, and me also, like, reading body language, like to your point, RC, like that, that is so critical because there are days where he doesn't want to be bothered, you know, or moments where he doesn't want to be bothered, but there's also times where I don't want to be bothered. And Mm -hmm. so just, it's important for us to, and we're just transitioning into that that space. Um, And so um, I applaud Amanda for sharing that because it's, it gave me some tips on like, okay, I can still like hug you from afar or when you feel like it. Um, I think very early on um, when you talked about setting boundaries, you know, we had the good touch, bad touch talk really, really, really early on. Um, but even much deeper than that, because sexual assault runs in my family as well, or has happened to family members of mine. And just recognizing, but communication is so being, that that openness to communicate, that recognition, um, empowering the him, Joshua. I've always empowered Joshua to tell me any and everything and encourage him that if someone says they're gonna hurt me or do anything, like don't believe him. And he he's asked a lot of questions or there have been times where, you know, it wasn't intentional, but I've addressed situations where people have made him feel uncomfortable. Right. Um, but knowing that, you know, he has he had an advocate in me, um, right. you know, and I, I would always ask, I mean, as a mom, you're always asking those questions like, he would go to a friend's house and then he won't want to go back anymore. I'm like, did something happen? Like right, you, right, right. You know, you're like because I'm about to be out the door in two seconds. So, <laughs> but just just making sure that he's comfortable with communicating with me anything and knowing that he has an advocate in me. Something that we practice is like, um, failing forward and the ability, like this is your time. You know, not from a bound. Like you know, we're he's not in a space of where. He's like with girls often um, outside of his family members, but this is the time where I'm sharing with him the importance of, you know, this is your time to make mistakes and learn. So if things happen in school, you know, we talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, but I want you to learn so that you don't make these mistakes as you're older and you can't take them back. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that I think in itself has like taken some of the load off where he can, he feels free to ask me any questions or, you know, things like that. So I think communication is, is really critical. And then under helping your child read body languages as for us, it's, it's the two of us in a house and just recognizing the space, me recognizing the space that you're in, but you also recognizing the space that I'm in.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good way to help them because, you know, that's their first learning is with mm-hmm. us, you know, since they're in the house with us. But as they get older, teenagers, we can have the best communication and then they turn teenager and they're like, I'm not communicating with you. So uh, well, <laughs> that non gonna... cues I think is very important. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. when really... it's older, so what are your experiences? Um, well, as a
1: young Boy, like three four I always had the stranger danger conversation and the conversation about not allowing people to touch you in certain places um i just like Tamika and Amanda said you know you need to let me know if anything happens um I didn't allow sleepovers or anything like that mm-hmm. um, and as he got older um like you all have said you know we could kiss him and hug him And then, of course, as he became a teenager, he didn't want to be bothered. So I actually asked him one day, you don't like mommy kissing you? He was like, no. And so I respected that. And so now, even now, can mom have a kiss or can, you know, can I have a hug type of thing? Um, So I think that's important, as you all have said, this to, you know, ask them if they're uncomfortable, then, you know, that's okay. It's okay for you to tell me, no, I don't want a hug. No, I don't want you kissing me. Right. And then um, as he well, he's in college, so him and uh, his dad and I both had the conversation um, as far as girls. So, of course, with COVID, um, things were a little different. You know, they didn't have the parties or anything like that. But, um, you know, in the event that some girl wants to come over. So there was a time he said that girl kept asking him for stuff. And I was like, are you allowing her, you know, in your, your, your room, your apartment? He was like, no. And so we had to have that conversation again, you know, just be careful. You don't know what their intentions may be, you know, nothing against, you know, girls or anything like that, but you have to protect yourself and you have to set your own boundaries and not fall into, you know, some situation that you're gonna, gonna regret.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, Ryan's 15. And for me, I've always talked to him openly about, you know, whenever you're um, in relationship with anybody, whether it's a friendship or dating relationship. And I speak in terms of he, she, or they, or non-binary because I identify as queer. So I don't necessarily have in my mind that his relationships, if they're romantic, will be with a girl versus anyone else. But I will say that one of my things when I talk to him is really about how do you feel in this moment? Like whenever something is happening, are you feeling like so anxious and outside of yourself that you think you might do something just to calm your anxiety that you wouldn't normally do? Or are you doing something that's really in line with your values? And so we talk a lot about values and feelings in the moment, because from my perspective, if you are um, very in touch with what your values are, your character, because I remember I I told him that he was lying to me one day and he was offended, like grown man offended. I'm like, dang, what? I'm like, your character, is that sound that you offended? (laughs) You know, So I was like, okay. So if you feel that strongly about your character, then you need to make sure that you're presenting yourself in the world at all times in a way that's in line with your values and your character, right? So when you're dealing with other people, make sure you know your boundaries and make sure you're not overstepping their boundaries, but you really don't know anybody else's feelings. So you can only control yourself. And my thing is, um, where we're talking about situations where our boys may be harmed in some way, for me, it's about also teaching him that you don't ever, because right now, a lot of men are so pissed about this council culture. Oh, somebody kissed a chick back then on the cheek. And now, you know, he's standing at the they sexual or he sexually assaulted her. But at the same time, if in fact you've done something that you should not have done that the other person didn't want, don't you think you should at least have a conversation with them about it? Like if they're accusing you of something like lighthearted, you know, like you, your, your son is interacting or like my son's interacting with somebody and they say, you know what? I didn't like how you touched me. Well, then if you care about a person you're gonna have a conversation you know i apologize how did i touch you i didn't mean to touch you that way what's another way i can touch you um and so my whole thing is for him to constantly communicate but first check in with his own feelings to know his intentions because a lot of times as young people they don't mean you know they don't have ill intentions and yet you find yourself you're literally like you're going through puberty they're still going through puberty too through 23, 24, 25. So let's say you get to college and some girl says you raped her and you're like, well, no, I was just, you know, the guy said I got to get some tension off. Right. I got a friend who's like her, her boyfriend and her, are like telling their boy, you need to get some tension off. You need to have sex. Right. So that's, that's their value system. Now, if you hear that constantly, that's not taken in consideration how this other person, if they're going to want that and how they're gonna feel. So if in your mind, you're like, I just gotta get this tension off and you're not purposely trying to ignore the other person that's there with you, but your mindset is on, I gotta get this tension now. Next thing you know, she's saying you raped her, and you're like, I, I just got off inside of her. Yeah, but she didn't say yes. And in fact, she was crying. And in fact, she wasn't even moving. So I guess another thing I wanna ask is we're grown women. So we've had a lot of experiences. And if you're comfortable, I'd like for you to tell me a situation where you feel like there could have been better communication with you and the other person. Um, Like, I just want to hear the situation and how you would have liked for it to have gone. Because for any guys that are watching out there, um, I don't think that they realize how they come off. I don't think they realize that sometimes there are situations, even in our as we're you know forty plus year old women, that they're still inappropriate. And what we're trying to do is make sure we model for our sons how a young lady should be treated, how other people should be treated, and make sure that we're you know helping them recognize their boundaries. But we also are still doing that with grown people. Um, so I don't know if anybody cares to share. And if not, that's fine. No pressure.
2: Just- yeah, I can just start a. Well, prior to the pandemic, I was doing online dating and um, chatted with the guy for a couple weeks online, and things seemed to be going fairly well, and then subsequently, we end up meeting for dinner. Um, And I, of course, my intention is to finally meet you, have a face-to-face, and Uh, his intentions were different. And so at the end of dinner, it was, let's go to my place. And I was like, no. Mm -hmm. Uh, At that very moment, like there was a lot of pressure, Um, you know, and I I know it's the the usual, you know, like I know this is a common thing that happens that if I put out, you got to put out, but when I say I felt very uncomfortable, like I felt really, really uncomfortable in a situation because it was it was almost like he became verbally abusive of that. I didn't want to go to his house like that was just such a normal, a normal thing. Um, and, you know, and the reason we got to dinner is because he was asking me to cook him dinner. And I'm like, I don't I don't, first of all, I don't invite in anybody into my house. It's my sanctuary. And secondly, I'm not going to cook you dinner. You can take me out to dinner.
0: Right.
2: And so, you know, like Like we're I all think, over here,
0: like, yes. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. And so I think, but in that moment, like I felt like I was being attacked um, and victimized and, you know, automatically looking for a way out of the situation in a restaurant. Um, mm you know, and it was a horrible, it was a horrible yeah. experience for me, because considering I haven't dated in a long time, mm-hmm. and so you just wanted to go out and be like, hey, this is right. nice, and he was being nice, but it really put me back in a shell, because it's yeah. like, I don't, where you want to have companionship, like, if it's, if that's the route to it, like, I don't, I don't want right, to go right. that route because I felt really, really, you know, you do the usual, like share the license place, the name of the person, all of that with your family and friends. But at the same time, at the end of the day, the amount of pressure he was putting on me was very, very uncomfortable. And it was right. a lot.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and what would so, you have preferred? What would you have preferred? I would have preferred to have the great conversation. At dinner we did have great conversation at dinner okay. it could have stopped like at the moment like him understanding like you can tell who like talk about reading body cues listening right. listening to a person you can mm-hmm. tell the type of person I am you know mm-hmm. and I would have preferred that he listened to that and understood my values and my character Mm-hmm. Um, versus pursuing his own, to your point, like getting off or whatever he wanted to do, um, you know? And so just, just, I would have preferred that and him just, even if, you know, there's this thing that guys are always going to shoot their shot, but when you, when there's a no and there's a strong no, just accept right. the no, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. And I think um, that sometimes because I have these conversations with everybody, a lot of guys, too, and, and a lot of men will say to me, well, I'm a man. So my role is to pursue. OK, so now. So how else am I supposed to get you? Which I got, I got a problem with the terminology all the way. But how else am I supposed to get you? Right. Saying women in general, if I don't pursue you. And my point is kind of what all of us, I'm sure, are, are saying like you need to make sure that we're on the same page like you come on now <laughs> like this is crazy if, if i want to go walking you don't tell me we you just signed me up for a marathon i just want right. to go for a walk down the block <laughs> but you can't tell that i'm saying no i'm not going to do a marathon i would never run more than five miles D- you don't get that that means not to sign me up for a marathon right but if they never were grown up with somebody to teach them to be listened to why would they value listening to someone else Right. And that's why I feel like this. These conversations are necessary for us as adults to have now so that we understand to have those conversations with our children, because he might not have thought that you felt uncomfortable. I don't know if he felt unsafe as well or what, but now he's thinking, well, I'm just being a man. You know, I'm going to keep trying because most women, I can wear them down. So let me just wear it down. And then where does that leave you? With some chick up there in the bed thinking afterwards, I did not want that. Trying to run from him, and he's thinking, Oh, I know I put it down on her. I mean, I'm being this is grown talk. I've had these (laughs) conversations with men that I have been intimate with, and I said, Listen here, honey, all I did was try to run from you because I got myself in a situation that I felt scared to get out of. And so I acquiesced just so I wouldn't be raped. And they're just like, what are you talking about? You know, you enjoy that. No, I didn't. That's why I've, I've been avoiding you. And now I finally got the nerve to call you on it. And now you're further victimizing me, telling me that, you know, I'm crazy for feeling that way. But um, do any of you, anybody else care to share a situation and like what you would have preferred dis- differently?
3: I think the, the you know, the, that communication part, Um and I think this is one of those where you just have to uh, have enough experience, right? And our boys, they just don't have enough experience, right, to 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 get from that. But I went on a date years ago. I don't know if y'all remember the Club 720 that was on um, Clark Street, I think somewhere downtown. Okay. And it was like a big salsa club. And it was like the place you went with the shoes and little dress, and, okay. you know, okay. and this guy was dating. um you know, he said, Oh, what do you want to go do? I said, Oh, I'd love to go dancing. And I'd love to go to club 720. Um, And so, you know, we're on Lakeshore Drive, you know, we're driving and we're passing the exit to get off at 720. And I'm just like, "Mm, I think I think we missed it. And he says, Oh, we're not going to go to 720. So of course, my heart's like, well, then where are we going? Where are you taking me? you know, like, I'm in your car, I don't have a vehicle, you know what I'm saying? Like,
0: right, right.
3: you know, I've got these shoes on and this dress on, right? Because right. I thought I was going to 720. Well, he ends up taking me to uh, another place that is actually now my preferred salsa club. But, you know, I had to tell him, I said, you know, you shouldn't do that. That freaks women out when, you know, mm-hmm. we tell you a plan and then you say yes and then you do something completely opposite and don't mention it or anything and he made up some oh well you know it's because I'm not with my guys and I'm not trying to be in some club with a bunch of latino guys by myself and I don't have my people with me and I'm like what what are you doing that you need to be worried about people jumping mm-hmm. you at the 720 but you know mm-hmm. I'm not from chicago this was back in early you know <laughs> early 2000s. so I don't know I was just like okay so, you know, how I wish that that interaction would have gone would have been, hey, you know, you're not from Chicago and I'm a black dude from the south side. And this is the realities of, you know, navigating these spaces. And if going to this place without some friends, I don't feel comfortable. And here's the reason I would have totally understood mm-hmm. that conversation. Mm-hmm. I found this other place. Would you be w- interested in going? That would have gone a totally different way than just. Mm-hmm. um why you missed it? Where are we going? You know, so so, you know, that just ended the date in my mind. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. from that from that moment on, it was just like, yeah, now he did introduce me to a great salsa club. I will say that. So I'm forever grateful (laughs) to him. But we never went on another date after that, because I was like, this is someone who doesn't listen and couldn't even tell me the basics of we're not going to go to this place because I don't feel personally safe. We I, How would you think about this other place? Like right. that's, that's just so basic that I don't understand why that didn't didn't happen.
0: Thank you for sharing. Both now. Jamie, did you have any or no? Um, so what is like, have you all ever heard the term rape culture? giving you examples about different things. Um, And what has that meant to you? Like the very first time you heard it, what were you thinking or feeling or did it elicit any feeling at all?
3: I actually have a book that uh, I think um, Dean Evans gave me. Uh, mm-hmm. from Northwestern, and it's called Transforming Rape Culture, and it's uh, an anthology of a lot of different writings about it, um, but uh, what I think of when I think of rape culture, I think of um, a culture that gives permission or authority to um, um, or just doesn't present any barriers or consequences to um, engaging in rape, whether that be, you know, male to female rape, male, male rape, female to male rape, whatever that might look like. Um, you know, I think of a, a system, right, uh, that works to say this will happen. And when it will and when it does happen, there's very little, consequence, right. you know, or, or, or um, negative thing that will happen to the person doing this. Right. Um, you know, so it's, it's a whole range of things, but um, I'm very grateful to Dean Evans giving me that book. You know, yeah. Cause I'm surprised
0: because whenever I've talked since college about yeah. rape culture, people have been like, we don't even know what you're talking about, but I just, just, just to like put everybody on the same um, level playing field, the dictionary says, um, rape culture is a society or environment whose prevailing social attitudes have the effect of normalizing or trivializing sexual assault and sexual abuse. And so, a man of you hit the nail right on the head. Um, and I have this conversation with a lot of men and, and some women as well, but they're always like, um, rape culture doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, well, why doesn't it make sense to you? Like, right now, you act in a way as though if a woman is sexually assaulted, that your next question is literally what was she wearing? What was she doing? Was she drinking? Like that's all part of our rape culture, but why wouldn't you ask, um, did she have the ability to say no? Did she have the ability or did she show any signs that she wasn't interested and did the other person disregard that? That's not your question. And then when you try to break down that that is what rape culture does, like people don't get that it's it's pervasive, just like racism is. So people might not be in your face calling you the n-word, but at the same time, they're okay with a black person not getting paid them as much as somebody else or black people being discriminated against or murdered at a higher rate or not having the same resources that everybody else is. So that's how pervasive that's what it is, rape culture, mm-hmm. that it's that pervasive and it is systemic.
3: Or they're, and, they're obsessed with hypotheticals that may happen, but probably aren't likely to happen. Like, yeah, I have a friend who's very concerned about somehow being accused of, you know, sexual assault or something right. like that. And I, I, I just I wish I understood the concern around the accusation I mean the energy and the effort and the the articles they find and they send to me it's just it's very interesting and it's like I'm not saying that there's never been a case of anyone ever saying something happened and it didn't right of course right but in the grand scheme of life of all the lives that have lived in the universe we're talking about something that happens 0.00000001 percent of the time and so, I, you know, I just I, I find that very interesting. Also, about the the rape culture, the the flip. I don't want to say it's pseudo concern because it is real concern. Like I can see the panic, and you know the the language that they use. But this this concern of being falsely accused is like yeah more. It's like more prevalent on their minds right. than you know the realities of actually being raped even themselves like I think they're more worried about being about being accused by a woman of rape than them themselves being raped by a man or a woman
0: well of course because they're a man so now we got to get to the patriarchal stuff like you know that's not gonna happen to me because I'll kill them okay so I was gonna say something vulgar but I won't so (laughs) I want to say this to y'all before we kind of move on that um Um, I had a friend, someone I consider a friend for a while. I just want to get your quick feedback. And if anybody's out there watching, For those of you who are watching and listening, I should say, this is Be Empowered with R.C. I have Tamika Christian, Jamie Wesley, and Amanda Holman with me today. We are all um, single moms raising boys, and we've been talking about how we have raised our boys to be mindful of their own boundaries, um, what consent means, what is our rape culture, what does that look like, what are relationships between adult Adult men and women are the examples that we gave and then how we can make for better relationships and communication. And so this person who Sandy was my friend literally called me one day and said, um, I wish I can go over there right now for lunch and rape you. So I'm like, so when you carry the one and divide by 17, you don't get no, nope. We're going to start all over again. What did you say? I said, I want to rape you. Now I'm on the phone. Like he had been a good friend to me for years, knew that being raped had messed my whole life up, knew that every day it affected how I live and breathe and think and see the world. So for him to use that word so you know, frivolously, it was like, first of all, that's ridiculous. Secondly, I don't even understand the sentence. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I'm so, I don't understand that. And so I basically did not speak to this man for two years. Okay. So then when I saw him again, started talking to him, he was like, I don't understand. Why would you not talk to me? So I explained to him, because you told me you wanted to rape me. And he was like, okay, but why'd you stop talking to me? And I was like, so, 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 it's a phrase called rape culture. Your picture needs to be right. That's the definition right there. Like with, with the bubble, what you saying, I wanna rape you. Like that's it, right? That the fact that you think that that's appropriate and that there's no reason for me to feel any way, but yay, you wanna rape me, it is the problem. And you're not the only one that thinks that. So he was like, no, that's just guy talk. I'm like, was there another guy that you were talking to? Number one, but number two, that's part of this rape culture I'm talking about. And then he was like, no, no, what I meant was I just want to go there and do do whatever I want to do with you. Right. So do you get how you're still saying the same thing? Where am I in that? Like, where's the consent? Where do I get to say what I do and don't want? You didn't ask me if I want to first. If you're just talking about having sex, that's different than rape. You didn't ask me that. You didn't say, hey, you know, I want to do this with you. Are you okay with that? That's not what you said. That's a whole different conversation. now, Because he knew it was going to be no, then you go, now you want to rape me? Because you know I'm not going to have sex with you? But that's okay. And that's what, that's an example of our rape culture. The fact that that language can be used, that you can talk to somebody who you consider a friend and that's just like not an issue at all. And now talk about cancel culture, I'm sure he would tell somebody, yeah, she stopped talking to me for no reason. You know, hashtag me too. They just wear that, you know, like a badge or whatever. Really? But there's nothing wrong with what you did. Um, and I think when we get to the point where nobody would ever think to say that to somebody, maybe then we're in a good place. But I think we're far from there. There's a lot of work to do. And while that sounds bizarre to us, I'm willing to bet I can get in the room with 30 men and they'll be like, yeah, I mean, he just wanted to screw you. And so we just said it. And, and they would think that's OK. Um. So as we just think about all the stuff that we know goes on in the world and how this stuff happens every day to grown people, right, who we think are or should be educated enough to know better, they won't know unless somebody teaches them. So at 40 some years old, if we don't tell them and we don't establish boundaries, then they won't know. If they're 45 now, they won't know when they're 65. But if our 9, 10, 15, and 18-year-olds, if we're not teaching them this, then they won't know when they get to be 40. Um, So I think that's important what we're doing as parenting in general, but just being mindful of that kind of stuff, which it sounds like we're trying to do the best we can anyway using resources. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that we are much more than just this one topic and I know you all have a lot of projects going on. So I wanted to give a little bit of time for you all to talk a little bit about a project that you may be working on and, um, just let folks know what the project is and where they can, um, reach you or where they can go to find out more information. I know I'm cutting this conversation off short, but, um, hopefully we'll have a lot to think about and maybe we can come back to the conversation at another time. I thank you ladies so much for just being open enough to share. I'm sure some people got a lot out of just our openness. And that's really just what I wanted to accomplish is to have an open, honest conversation, um, because so often we're uncomfortable with having these conversations. Um, So Tamika, did you want to start and just tell us a little bit about any projects you may be working on and how people can reach you? Absolutely. The
2: project.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And I just first want to thank you for having all of us on the show. It was a very fruitful conversation and I, I truly, truly appreciate it. It was thought provoking to me and I hope I was able to share, um, to help others. Um, so my project that I'm working on is it's Mocha 24, um, cafe or coffee lounge. Um, the location is, is right now plan to be on Laramie and Chicago Avenue as part of the Laramie State Bank um, building renovation project. Um, it's on the west side of Chicago. And I'm also including in there a trans center for transformation so we could just release mentally, spiritually, nice. um, understand our history and who we are as a people. Um, and I could be reached at MOCA24, M-O-C-H-A 24 um, M-O-C-H-A-2-4 community at gmail.com.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you.
1: Um,
3: so I'm working with um, a professor, uh, Dr. Kim Gallen, who is uh, currently at Purdue. Uh, she's working on a project called COVIDBlack.org. Um, and I'm a data analyst working on the project. And basically, we are trying to create a, a digital uh, memorial. And one exists currently, if you go to COVIDBlack.org. Um, to recognize the um, numbers of Black people who've died from COVID um, this past year, and um, you know who unfortunately will be dying um, until we eradicate COVID. Um, so you know there's much to do in the project. If you have lost a loved one or um, are interested in having uh, your loved one um, featured in this memorial. Uh, there's a form there where you can fill out their information, provide us a photo. And, um, you know, we are trying to give um, what we call a good homegoing, right, to the just numbers of Black people who have passed away. And unfortunately, we've not been able to do a lot of our, you know, traditional um, homegoing and uh, funeral rights, um, you know, in this climate of the pandemic. Um, So if you are interested in that project, uh, please check out covidblack.org. You can follow me at, um, also at covidblack is a Twitter handle that you can also follow for more information there. My personal uh, Twitter handle is at mom of Marley, um, because I'm a mom and Marley's my my son and So if you want to hear me fuss about random things, follow me there. But um, COVID Black is the uh, Twitter handle to get more information about that project.
0: All right, thank you. Um, Jamie, did you want to share anything? Okay. Um, And for those of you who want to continue to follow me on Facebook, it's um, at rc. Empowers on Twitter at RC Empowers and on Instagram at RC Riley Empowers. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, every week at 6 p.m. Um, Central Daylight Savings time, I host this Facebook Live with different people talking about different things that affect Black and Brown Indigenous um, people and in hopes of educating our communities to allow us to feel more empowered. And I believe that once we feel empowered, we will then naturally become more engaged in the liberation of our peoples. So this has been another another evening of Be Empowered With RC. Um, If you are watching the replay, still leave your comments and we'll get back to you and check out the MOCA24 as well as COVID Black. And thank you, ladies, again, for joining us. Have a good evening, everybody. Thanks again for listening. The Self-Care Spa and Lounge offers a wide range of services to all ethnicities and skin types for ages 5 and up. Skin treatments, waxing services, massages, teeth whitening, and tooth gems are offered. As a proud Black and female-owned community partner, the Self-Care Spa and Lounge is also available for spa parties, birthdays, or private events. Don't forget to book book your next service or event at theselfcarespalounge.com. That's theselfcarespalounge.com.